Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. What's going on, everybody? This is our last episode in the series, Searching for a Kiki, where we look at how Black queer folks have found space in the Bay. I'm right now-ish's Corey Antonio Rose, in for Pindarvis Harshaw, and today we're bringing back a dear friend of the show, Nina Joyner. I'm a cool-ass person, down to earth, on point about business and uh, just ready to live life on my terms. And I know that's very vague, but it means a lot to me, being brown, being queer, and uh, being a business owner. Nina owns the Feelmore Sex Shop with two East Bay locations, and they're about to open a bar. And whether you're buying your first dildo or ordering a drink, Nina spent years thinking about how to make people feel safe. How did you define safe space when you were moving to Oakland, driving down the highway on 580? We weren't talking about safe spaces like that. You know, this woke conversation that we're having right now. We just said, get home. The culture for safe space was being Black and not being um, killed. That's what it was for me. And also being a female body person, making sure that you didn't get raped. Got home and you got, you got there without having trauma. That was the main thing. We've been talking about building safe spaces for Black queer folks in the Bay, but Nina's actually building one. The Feelmore Social Club is coming to downtown Oakland this summer, so after the break, we're going to find out exactly what goes into building a safe space from the ground up right now-ish. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. 
to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. What brought you to the Bay? When'd you come? How'd you come? How did I come? You're going to ask a sex shop owner, how did they come? (laughs) And my cousin tells a story of, she said, you know, of everyone who wanted to be a doctor and lawyer, you wanted to move to Oakland. After my first year of college, it didn't go well. And so I went back to Las Vegas, where I'm from. And my grandmother told me to get out of here. She was like, you can either end up pregnant, just go ahead and get out of here and head to the Bay Area. I feel like I was destined to be here. I I took my cart and uh, it blew up on 580 on MacArthur. And uh, yeah, I was destined for public transportation. So you came here in 1994. What were you looking for? I was looking for people, culture. Las Vegas didn't have it at the time, but Oakland definitely had that. The stories that came out of here with rap music, with the Black Panthers, with um, just everything was going on. You know, even HIV and AIDS actually played on the airwaves in Las Vegas at the time to hear their officials responding to this national crisis. And so once you moved here and you started to discover the Bay Area nightlife, as they call it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Tell me, what did you what did you find? What did you experience? Well, I, I started riding the AC Transit and um, I went into places where they told you not to go because, I mean, in Vegas, I lived in those places that they told us not to go. And so I was like, oh, that's nothing. Finding the queer spaces, which were at the time Bella's and Cable's Reef which were on Telegraph in downtown Oakland. You could go to San Francisco and get the the white queer crowds, or you can go to Oakland and you can get all black that you wanted to. It was just, it was just beautiful. I'm just hurting. I moved to the Bay in August, and I have not gotten yet to experience um, a black queer-owned bar. But there mm-hmm. is a difference, mm-hmm. and you feel that difference. What does it feel like once you're in a space and you know that you are centered in the experience? I didn't have to watch my back. You know, my feelings were protected. Everyone was there to have fun, to live the next day, to celebrate life. And a lot of those people in those clubs, because they were much older than me, lost a lot of people because of AIDS and not understanding the longevity people could have with HIV, you know. So really celebrating life was just so key. Like, it was a night and day. You can go in the club, come out the club, feel a different way. It started to change when downtown Oakland started to change, you know, when they started to rename the neighborhoods, when they started to bring different businesses in and you were able to call the police and say, hey, there's a commotion and their liquor license or they would have a stain against them with the city, which would ultimately lead them to financially having to to fight to keep their business open versus the stories of other businesses that didn't have to go through that same experience. Bars and lounges that held the community down for years. Club 21, Divas, Club B&B, Estee Noche, and so many others were forced to close their doors for good. Gentrification wasn't the only thing stacked against these bars. As tech forced Black queer people away from the city, they turned to apps to find each other. This meant that the bars were no longer the oases they'd once been. You don't need to go to a bar if you can order a man online. Which brings us to today. 
Oakland ain't got no gay clubs. You know what I mean? Like queer people ain't going to spend all the money. You know, lesbians, as soon as we get in a relationship, we ain't going nowhere. <laughs> we staying home. <laughs> and then and, and that's just in the first week after we've met at the club. Right. And so you don't want to pigeonhole yourself and to say that this is a gay club because the dollars that come along with that are very few than saying we're very accepting of everyone. Um, But being a queer business owner, I do key in on um, reasons and ways to encourage those that look like me, being brown and being queer. Honey, let me tell you, it was lonely. It was lonely selling sex toys downtown Oakland. Not many things were open. Not anything was open. Maybe the bodega across the street, but nothing else was really open. I can remember a couple times that I cried outside. I was just like, oh my gosh, it wasn't, I'm crying because I didn't have customers. That wasn't the problem. It was crying because there is a culture that comes with protection when you have more than one business that's opening on the street. You want to make sure that you have this shared reason to keep your door open, that you're open at the same hours, and that wasn't happening. Bars were closing, and not just closing their doors for the meantime, they were closing for the long term. I said, you know, I think it's time that we take this opportunity to turn it into something because someone else is going to come into that space. Why not us? And I think in a bar space, just as we've done with the sex shop, We've been very intentional and respectful in supporting people. You know, we want to be open a long time. What are the vibes going to be for this bar? Are we getting Are we getting saucy or are we getting Stephanie Mills? Ooh, I would say we're probably getting Jasmine Sullivan. Ooh, okay, a nice yeah, in between. Yeah. Don't forget to come and pick up your Yeah, we're getting sultry. The point is to make sure that when they come in, this energy that they feel and feel more is akin to the energy that they're going to feel here in in the new bar space, which is called the Fillmore Social Club. I'm already sold. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've been ready. (laughs) I wanted to explore, I guess, the role of sobriety within the queer community. How do you see your responsibility as a bar owner? That's what it's about, making sure that people don't have to go to another room to experience life, that they could experience life with everybody. It's also about people who want to be in a, a bar experience without having to be forced upon, oh, why aren't you drinking? Oh, we're not going to ask you to come or you're the designated driver. Like, no. I get to have the same kind of fun you're having, just less alcohol or no alcohol. I think that really speaks to people being allowed to bring their whole selves to a situation. Your whole self. Your whole self. When someone buys a sex toy, you know, we get a lot of interviews around like, well, what are queer people buying? I don't know. I don't ask them if they're queer. When they go home and they shut the light off, you can do whatever you want to do. And if we stop being in people's business, being queer, it's just the freedom of expression to be who you want to be today. I've had guys I've seen had the best acrylic nails ever. You know what I mean? And people have to stop believing that that's a queer thing. You know, that's a gay thing. You ain't gay. You can't braid your hair. Why you got your hair braided like that and not in cornrows? That's, you know, whatever it is, like, the more representation we get, the 
the better society is because less people are being um, shamed, less people are being um, just bullied about being who they want to be, period. When I first started Fillmore, I started with my own money. I started at the Ashby BART station, selling out the trunk of my car, like literally on the street corners. Did I want to start? I darn sure wanted to start this business. And was I going to use that rap music that I that I listened to when I first started learning about Oakland um, to infuse in me that you can start this out the trunk of your car? Like, look at all these rappers, like E-40, for example. I've never met him. But he started out the trunk of his car in Vallejo. Now look at him. We can do this with a little bit of what we have. I would call all these places and look for someone to rent to me. And in looking for someone to rent, a woman picked up the phone one day. She was like, don't you know who I am? I'm like, I don't know who you are. Like, you're a little white lady, I think. You know what I mean? And she says, well, I'm Joni Blank. I actually started Good Vibrations. And so she and I became friends. That was somebody who says, I'll invest in you. She invested in Fillmore. Getting money is not easy, not on your first business. Especially, you'll say, brown and queer, what does that mean? Do you get met with that every day? No, you don't get met with that challenge. But the historical nature of it is people will look at you as not bankable. People will look at your business like, what kind of business can brown people do? You know, they can do hair. They can clean up somebody's home. You have to be very adamant about what you want to do. You're going to have to show that you've done it in your own life with a little bit of money. And every level we go up to in banking, I've had to like, I won't say my bank's name, but I've had to like lay in and be like, look, I feel that you're not respecting me. You're not taking me seriously. Like having to go to history lessons with banks. Like I've had to do that because I'm fighting. I'm fighting against knowing that you just gave a million dollars to someone else, knowing that you just showed up at the planning commission to support your client but you can't even show up for me and I've been with you for over 13 years you know what I'm saying like those things and reminding them but also what has been in my favor is the same people who started who were at the bank when I started were the same people who are at the bank now those relationships really matter so I tell any entrepreneur out there do not go big don't go to Wells Fargo don't go to Chase unless you're doing an SBA loan go to small businesses small banks who have been there and also find out how long their people have been there. It's people who actually push that pen and push that paper and get you to the finish line. Nina is a queer Black business owner trying to give us space to breathe. But building a refuge takes more than just ambition. You have to have stamina to deal with planning commissions, zoning boards, health permits, and a lot of red tape. But this time, Nina has experience. Knowing when you go to the planning commission, you have to pay. To change hours, you have to pay. If someone dissented, said, I don't like that, it could scrap everything. This time around, I won't have the same visceral reaction that I could have had the first time because all my money was invested in that and this, that, and the other. You know what I mean? Going to a place that reduces my experience to just being black and queer. They don't like me because I'm black, I'm queer. Now it's, I'm a good business owner. 
I just know that it's going to work out however it works. You want people who really fuck with you. There is a place for everybody, no matter what industry you're in, black, queer, otherwise. They need more flavor. They need more of us. They need more brown people out there. They need more black people. They need more queer experiences. We're, you, you just don't know you need us. You need the salt. Let me bring it to you. After a day of dealing with the bank and choosing chairs, <laughs> how do you unload? Oh, orgasms work, you know, um, orgasms work. I don't like I said, I don't drink or I go to the gym, you know, and having friends who want to, you know, just go walk with me. I'll go like last two weeks ago, I did 10 miles just walking. I, I just need to clear my mind and just until my body says you're done. Get on BART, go home. Where do you draw your inspiration from and how do you make sure that history is not lost as you move forward? What I'm giving is making sure that my nieces and nephews who couldn't come in the store for 13 years get an opportunity to be a part of my business. But also if when I die, because we all die, when I die, that they can go to the Internet and click a button and they're going to see my name everywhere on there. And when I have talks like this that are documented, that's a way for those in the future to know that I did my work. I did I, I understood the assignment. You understood the assignment. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming back. You were one of Right Now's first OG guests. Hey. So it feels it's very much an honor for me as the intern to to have you come back. Well, you um, ain't doing no intern work, so we ain't going to call you no intern. You're not an intern. <laughs> Thanks again to Nina Joyner. Their new bar is the Feelmore Social Club. And Nina has one last piece of advice to all the aspiring business owners out there. I'd say the main thing is to start. As long as you believe in your dream, it'll happen. If you want a little more to the story from Nina, go back to the Right Nowish archives where we go deep with their sex shop. I'm Corey Antonio Rose, and I hosted and produced this episode. The regular host of this show is Pendarvis Harshaw. Jessica Plachek is the editor. Our engineer is Seal Muller. Marisol Medina Cadena is the Right Nowish producer. Our engagement team is made up of Ashley Ng, Justin Ibrahimi, and Rhea Garwal. Kiana Mogadam is the senior producer of podcasts. KQED execs are David Marcus, Holly Kernan, and Jin Chien. Right Nowish is a KQED production. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. 
Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.